0: Ditch the clowns on the left and the
2: jokers on the right
0: and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle.
2: This is the Smirkonish podcast for independent minds.
0: So, gang, we're going to
3: air some family business for all of you right now. I have a special guest who happens to be a listener, a sometimes caller. He is an academic. Relevant for the conversation you're about to hear, he's Jewish He has a daughter and three grandchildren who are Israeli citizens and live in Tel Aviv. He is Eric Schaeffitz. What is he? Eric from Ithaca, right? Eric from Ithaca. He is Eric Eric from Ithaca. Uh, He is the Ernest I. White Professor of American Studies and Humane Letters at Cornell University, where he is on the faculty of the American Indian and Indigenous Studies Program and has served as its director. He recently shared with me an essay derived in part from remarks that he delivered at Cornell University intended for Smirconish.com. I object to the use of a word within his essay. Interestingly, a word used by a caller not 10 minutes ago. This is Professor Eric Chaffetz. Professor Eric, thank you so much for being here. I do appreciate the conversation.
4: Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me.
3: So let's let's hash it out, I guess, by beginning with the speech that you delivered, October 18, 2023. Give me some context. What was going on?
4: Well, we we are having uh, protests here, rallies. um, uh, uh, And this was one put on by Students for Justice in Palestine uh, to talk about uh, what's going on in Gaza uh, and to give the Palestinian point of view uh, on this matter. Um, and I would say generally the Arab point of view on this matter. So that was the context uh, for the speech. Um, um, Cornell has a deep involvement with Israel in the Technion Institute. Cornell Tech in New York City is in partnership with Technion, which is the technical university, uh, their MIT in Haifa. Uh, and they've been deeply involved with the militarization of the West Bank, of bulldozers knocking down houses, surveillance on the wall, et cetera. Cornell was also uh, the chief beneficiary of the Morrill Act of 1862, where it got, uh, it got close to a million acres of Indian land that was stolen in the course of a national genocide. And it got the script for that land from the federal government, which it sold. And that selling of that land um, enabled the founding of Cornell University, and it's running for quite some time into the beginning of the 20th century. In fact, there's still $70 million of that money. Uh, resting in Cornell accounts. So um, there's a linkage here. Uh, the linkage is settler colonialism, the way the United States was settled and the way Israel was, uh, was settled by Zionists. Um, and so my speech focused um, on those issues and on the lack of strong response uh, in terms of the Palestinian situation from our president, Martha Pollack
3: among the among the points you made actually i'm just going to read from it whatever whatever our feelings about hamas's murderous attack on israeli civilians and i condemn the attack though not the spirit of resistance and the right to resist including armed resistance excluding non-combatants actually let me stop right there I- expand on that give me your view of hamas and what transpired on
4: 10/7 well on uh, and, and 10/7, they they held, them, you know, the Israelis were not wide awake, that's for sure, and Netanyahu can will have to answer for that. Um, they they launched a surprise attack, um, really in the, the southern portion um, of uh, Israel, close to the border of Gaza, um, and they did. They killed civilians as well as military people. Um, they killed children. Um, they killed um, you know, uh, they killed non-combatants. Uh, and uh, I oppose any kind of violence like that. At the same time, of course, my argument is that Israel has been doing this for 75 years, and um, there, are, there are U.N. figures that, that bear that out. From 2008 to 2020, um, by the way, there was a, a ratio of 22 Palestinians killed for every single Israeli. It's been really disproportional. Uh, I condemn the violence on both sides, but... Uh, I think, and uh, Antonio Guterres said this. Uh, Gutierrez said this um, the other day, and then Israel jumped all over him. That there's a context for this, and the context is the historic settler colonialism of Israel, be- beginning in uh, 1948 uh, with the uh, with the war, Arab-Israeli war, which um, Palestinians and Arabs refer to as the Nakba, the catastrophe. There were 750,000. Palestinians who were removed from their homes in what became Israel and shuffled off to the West Bank, which is the beginning of, of, of this um, this interaction.
3: And then you take it, I think, to another level, because you say the Hamas attack is the official alibi for Israeli apartheid and now genocide.
2: This is the Smirkanish podcast from Sirius XM.
3: are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders,
1: and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, Former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to "You Might Be Right," a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The Michael Smurkanis program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on POTUS Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app.
3: You say the Hamas attack is the official alibi for Israeli apartheid and now genocide. And then you say, and let me repeat that term genocide, which has not been uttered, not been acknowledged by the U.S. government, major media or Cornell, either in this case of its own founding with the money gained by selling the stolen native lands or in the case of Israel and Palestine. That's what I found objectionable, because to me, genocide is Uh clearly that which was attempted against jews in the holocaust genocide today is not israel going after hamas for what transpired on 10-7 of course i get that there's a longer timeline here but i read what you wrote as arguing that israel at present is seeking to wipe out all of the palestinian people in gaza
4: well um let me read you from the convention on genocide for 1948 there's are seven thousand dead now in gaza and that number seems to be, keep going up. And Palestinians are not the same as Hamas. In fact, in a recent article in Foreign Affairs um, that polled the Palestinians, it found that most of them uh, don't support Hamas. Uh, so, uh, you know, this moving into Gaza and wiping out civilians, non combatants, children, uh, is tantamount now with the object of apparently wiping out all Gazans. Uh, an act of genocide. I'm just going to read you some things from the, from the Convention on Genocide, about which I've written. Um, it, it includes an article, two, killing members of the group uh, that you are focused on, and in this case, Gazans, the Palestinians, causing serious bodily or mental harm to the members of the group. That's certainly going on. Uh, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. Okay. And then in Article 3, conspiracy to commit genocide. And I think if you look at the words of uh, Benavir and Smoltrich who are in the, uh, in the Netanyahu cabinet and who have really been, you, you haven't heard much from them now. And I think one of the reasons you haven't heard from them much now is they're trying to keep them relatively silent because they are, they have outspokenly been committed to genocide. Uh, Smoltridge, right. uh, Excuse me. Ben Gavir right now is passing out automatic weapons to settlers Uh, and killing is is going on in the West bank as well. Um, So direct and public incitement to commit genocide. I think both of them have done that Uh, and it's been done before. So I think at this point, with the focus on Gaza and the mass killings, indiscriminate mass killings that are going on there, we are talking about uh, uh, genocide or an approach to genocide. Look, um, uh, Not too long ago, it was a widely published article and translated in Arabic. Mark Levine and I, Mark is a professor at Irvine, an expert in Middle Eastern studies, we wrote a, 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 an article uh, called Israel, Palestine, and the Poetics of Genocide. And we argued there that, according at that moment, prior to this attack on Gaza, according to the convention of genocide, you could certainly convict Israel of war crimes in an international court, but not of genocide because the, the Palestinian population actually had been growing, had been increasing. Uh, and that article was published in a very pro-Palestinian journal, Jadalia. Uh, it was published by Al Jazeera. It was also published in a progressive uh, Jewish journal, Tikkun, which you may know. Uh, and so we argue that in the, in the strict sense of international law. But at this moment, given what I've just read and what is going on in Gaza, uh, I think we could argue for genocide.
3: A couple of things. First of all, I'm curious, what was the reaction? I, I guess if uttered in a pro-Palestinian rally, your words were probably well received, but maybe not. What was the reaction when you delivered your speech?
4: No, they was a very pro-Palestinian rallies, very, very well attended. I think we must have had 200 people. And, of course, the speech, it was well received. But I, I will say this. In, in all this time, uh, I've only received one negative email about that speech from some Cornell parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I have been flooded in the past. When I began uh, as an advocate for uh, Palestinian rights long ago, um, I was flooded initially with all kinds of hate mail, a death threat that the FBI actually followed up on. But that hasn't happened this time, um, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm I am i i i can not quite figure that out in a way. Um, there's been uh, some controversy around another professor here at Cornell. Who you may have uh, heard about, and that may have taken uh, some of the some of the spotlight um, some of the spotlight Eric, off me. Eric, what? I'm giving a tea. am give- yeah.
3: What what is oh, your daughter God. your your daughter in Tel Aviv? I don't know the age of of the grandkids, but what's her reaction, if I might ask, to what you've just said? You
4: know, she, she's very pro Zionist, excuse me.
3: So we agree. And she would go. So I mean, my whole my whole beef. Maybe I'm caught up too much on the semantics. Is is the G word? You know, genocide, genocidal. Um, which I've looked up at, at Oxford, relating to or involving the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation yeah. or ethnic group, or with the aim of destroying that nation or group. I mean, I I, I guess I would yeah. ask, I I would ask Professor Eric Schaeffitz this: Why, if Israel is involved in genocide in Gaza, would they have permitted safe passage to the south? Well, is
4: that safe passage? I mean, look, it's, well, I, I recognize, as you know, is the
3: side. Su- I recognize su- that it's a humanitarian crisis. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I recognize that it's a humanitarian crisis. And and by the way, I said to I said to TC, and you know TC, I said, try and figure out for me yeah. how many bombs how many bombs have dropped in Gaza since ten seven because. I, I'm aware of the fact that it's the size of Philadelphia, which I know like the back of my hand. And I say, if X thousand bombs were distro- were dropped on the entirety of Philadelphia, there would be nothing left of Philadelphia.
4: Well, I, I hear six thousand have been dropped. I don't have, you know, I don't have exact figures. I think this also all white supports have been cut off, food, fuel, what have you, the water, water, the water supply and is is polluted anyway. Uh, and so I think that fits into the the, pro- the profile of genocide. They are killing the Palestinian people in Gaza, in large numbers. And I, I know. You just read me the the Oxford definition. I read you right from the Genocide Convention, and I think both of them meet that standard.
3: By the way, I saw that President Biden was asked the question on the figure, and and he said, you know, we can't. Tr- I'm paraphrasing. We can't trust that yeah. information. Whatever whatever the number is, it's a significant number. It dwarfs the 1400 from 107. There's no doubt about that. But and I know that I know that a a, a, a Hamas controlled group has released they say here are the names i don't know how reliable that is i may or may not have linked to that today on my website but i had intended to but i guess what i'm trying to say is i we don't know with any with any uh 100 confidence what the total number is as of today
4: well i think we do i mean i would disagree with you there i think we have figures coming from various sources that are reliable sources mondo weiss i refer you referring to mondo weiss they're checking their sources. The UN is bringing out these uh, numbers. Internet Amnesty International. These are reliable groups. Um, check that settlement in Israel, which is you know called um, "What's Going on Eric, in Israel." Part Eric,
3: would you yeah. agree with would you agree with me that the word the G word applies to Hamas on ten That coming into a kibbutz and killing people of all ages, civilians who are just going about their world, those at the music fest. I mean, that that's an attempt at genocide, right? That's an attempt to wipe out an entire group of people from a particular nation.
4: Well, it's a, it was quite limited in its um, in its extent. Look, at, I I'm not, I don't want to get into an argument about Hamas. What Hamas did is condemnable. Uh, but I do not think it approaches genocide because it doesn't have the reach that Israel has or the power to institute well, just that. I don't think it comes under the convention for for uh, convention for genocide. War crimes; it certainly comes under the convention for war crimes. Um, as does Israel at this point. Well, but, but Hamas. Think, but Hamas you know, was. Uh, uh,
3: yeah, but Hamas was limited on ten seven only by their resources, right? I mean, it's it's not for it's not for want of desire. It's just how many are there and how, how many could capably cross the border and do what they were doing. I guess what I'm saying is if they could have carried it out on a grander scale, they would have.
4: That may be very true. They certainly are limited in their resources and they, they acted within those resources, but desire and intent are not part of the convention of the legal convention of genocide. What is part of that legal convention is a demonstrable uh, attack of one kind or another that leads to, um, that leads to mass, mass killing. And we've got that certainly in Gaza. I would say this, too. The Hamas revised its charter in 2017 so that it was not focused on Jews anymore. It was, it was focused on Zionists. Uh, And uh, its desire is precisely to displace Israel uh, in Palestine. Um, There's no doubt about that. Uh, They would like to see Israel completely off the map there. Uh, Well, but not uh, just in
3: Palestine, right? In in, from sea to sea.
4: Yeah, that's what. Well, that was Palestine before uh, the Balfour Declaration in 1917. Uh, from sea to sea was was uh, was you know historic Palestine from the from the Jordan River not from sea to sea from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea right. so that's historic Palestine and uh, Hamas would like to see Israel out of there.
3: Look, I wanted to have the conversation with you. It's very it's very sensitive. It's very touchy. I I I was more comfortable airing this out on radio than I was. Attaching my name to the use of the word genocide in describing Israel. And I hope you can understand I that.
4: that. I hope you can understand I that. It, yeah. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you having me on. And I, I appreciate the way you, dis, you conduct discussions. Okay. I, I think they're balanced and fair, and, and people get to, to voice what they're thinking.
3: Ah, uh, thank you, Eric. Eric from Ithaca. We appreciate you. Professor Eric Schaeffitz is a uh, thanks, Eric is a faculty member at Cornell University with a focus on settler colonialism's impact on indigenous peoples. Uh, he delivers a compelling critique in this speech of Cornell's historical ties to colonialism and its contemporary connections to what he describes as Israeli apartheid. So, TC, I've never been in this position before. You know, this is my passion project. I do. You, you know. And you uh, want
0: to air out all sides That's how much important
3: to you right, you know how much uh, blood, sweat and tears goes into the daily newsletter uh and the only return I get on it is is sort of professional gratification right. of it. you know what I mean like like we have we have people who help me do it, and they are paid, and we have revenue from it but this is this is passion, this is not like something that could could pay the bills okay um so the essay comes in, and he's he's a very credentialed person, right? And of course, I know him because he's a voice on the radio. Sure. And I and I read it, and I say, and and does Alice reject material routinely? Of course she does, because we receive much more volume of of you know, people looking for publication, then we we only have a couple of days a week. I mean, especially now that I've I've surrendered Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to editorial cartoonists, by the way, circle next Wednesday, 7 p.m. for something special. Mm -hmm. So it leaves us four days for exclusive content. And and uh, candidly, I mean, a lot of stuff is just not up to snuff in terms of approach, grammar, um Well, and you, know, you always
0: say the rules are, you know, you can't defame anyone. You yeah, can't, you know, th- right. that kind of
3: thing. Yeah. People don't adhere to those rules. This is different. Th- this is different because th- this is a serious person with a-, a thought process that is deserving of an airing. But however, I took a look at it and I, I said to her, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. I am not comfortable with this. And-, and maybe it's because it was too raw. Maybe I'm showing my shortcoming as a, as an editor of what's described mind? as a clearinghouse of independent thinking. But, you know, like if he had said if if he had limited himself to apartheid, uh, by the way, you know, Jimmy Carter wrote a book and used that title in describing Israel. It was it's not that. Uh, and I certainly want to air all perspectives on what's going on in Israel and in, in Gaza. I think we, we do ourselves a disservice when we don't have a candid conversation. But when I read his attachment of genocide to Israel, that's when I said, I'm not,
0: I'm not comfortable in doing this. More comfortable having him on I'm in much... order to have the conversation, yes. have the context, oh. Oh, have yeah. the back and forth. Oh, that I'm happy to do. Then put it there with nothing. And yeah. that, was, that was the decision Correct. made. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, per, this was a per, new this was a very unusual.
3: This is very unusual. Well, I appreciate him. I appreciate I his willingness to, to come on and, and have the dialogue. He's,
2: yeah. This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM.
3: Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota Dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV 4.
2: The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and anytime on the Sirius XM app.
3: Stephanie, greetings. You're in Ohio. What did you most want to say?
5: Good morning, Michael. Um, I just wanted to congratulate you on that interview with Dr. Chaffetz. Um, I think it was it was a masterful interview. It was respectful And it it provoked thinking on the other side of the argument, no matter where you come down on it, I think it's important for us all to know um, the information that Dr. Chaffet gave us. I believe I heard him last week on with Dan Abrams. He didn't uh, introduce himself, but he did say he was a professor from Cornell and that he had a daughter and grandchildren in Israel. And the interview with Dan was disgraceful because he uh, cut him off. He called. Oh, you know what? You can't. can't,
3: But you can't put me in that position. I like, like, let Dan do his thing. I'll do my thing. And
5: yeah, absolutely. But I just want to say that, like, it was a it was a great interview. Uh, Wherever you come on the conversation, and I know it was a struggle for you with your your own personal beliefs, but I think it, it was it was a great great conversation to have and i thank you for that and I, okay. I, I, i'm sorry, glad I didn't you didn't mean to put you in a not, no, not at all not at all
3: no no, I, I'm, uh, no but, stephanie no yeah. no sweat i'm glad i'm glad you derive some benefit from it i did too i i didn't tc said to me during the break like you'd much rather talk than just uh publish and i'm like yeah that's exactly right but like i'm happy to have the conversation with eric anytime mary you're in woodstock illinois greetings what did you want to say
6: Good morning, Michael. I was born Hi. and raised in Skokie, Illinois, oh, which is okay. the home of the largest population of Holocaust survivors of anywhere in Warsaw, Poland, anywhere other than Warsaw, Poland, right after the war. They're wonderful people. I know people who are still going to Tel Aviv. I even called them in Germany to say, are you okay? Very passionate about this. But we are sending all this relief relief. To the Palestinians, when the easiest thing to do, if they had a heart, would be to discontinue the the act of cutting them off. We've cut off Indians, we've cut off all kinds of people and, and marginalized them. Listening to this today was following something I've been thinking. They're both wrong. They're both wrong. Especially because of Hamas, you don't go killing all the Palestinians to shoot two, we had a boatload of of, Germ- of, uh, of uh Jews coming out of Germany during World War two and nobody would take them in because there was one or two Nazis maybe on the boat, and they're all dead so what is well- this what is this
3: proving? skokie of course you know this uh was the scene of the march that was much debated and litigated as to whether the nazis could march there
6: and they didn't they got there but they did not march
3: hmm yeah they good marched someplace else mary it's thanks also for that. the
6: home of the holo- uh, holocaust
3: museum in illinois ah did not know that but i'm not surprised thank you for that mary i appreciate it very much michelle you're in albany new york listening in and thinking what
7: excited to talk to you. Um, I, Even though I'm so upset about um, all of this, I have two points about um, what that last guy said. Um, In terms of being a colonizer, Jews are indigenous to that area, so I just have trouble with the whole concept of um, Jews being colonizers of that area. And regarding genocide, It seems like he was talking about it as a statistical thing, like with, you know, um, numbers of people. And I would say that what the Israelis are doing in Gaza only qualifies because of the homogeneity of the population in Gaza. And in war, there are always victims. And if the population is so homogeneous, wouldn't it always be? genocide if that's the definition
3: i guess it depends on what the israeli objective is and i i accept that the objective is to rid gaza of hamas not to rid gaza of all palestinians yeah i think i said it as clearly as i'm as clearly as i'm thinking now eric would say that the and thank you michelle eric would say well the indiscriminate way with which they're going about it and the blockade of everybody's supplies means that the objective is much larger than that. That's what he would say if he were here. Yuri, greetings in Illinois. What's that one thing you wanted to tell me?
8: Good morning. Uh, Thank you, Michael. Uh, I'm an immigrant from Odessa, Ukraine. Uh, Two families of my great grandparents were murdered in Holocaust, and part of my family and many friends got to Israel starting from 1948. Uh, I, I was listening to the professor's opinion and yeah, everybody has an opinion, but let me ask the simple question: starting from, say, October 1st, out of so many victims, and I'm very sorry about them in Gaza, they would. My my opinion is that they would be probably all alive today if not October 7 happened. So how can you blame Israel in this particular case? I I I don't see that. I, I just wish I get, everybody peace and health. But I, I, thank you. I, I think in the light of what's going on, uh, the 1945 Japan and and Germany would be considered genocide of Japanese and German people, according to Professor. I disagree with that.
3: Yuri, thank you. Appreciate your perspective being uh, heard here. Michael, Frisco, Texas. What did you most
9: want to say? Yeah, good morning. Uh, just want to give you maybe a little outsider looking in perspective. Uh, my wife and I, we have no connections to the Middle East. We're Gentiles or, uh, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Somewhat well-informed, well-read. We absolutely condemn Hamas. They need to be eradicated. But big picture, I happen to agree with the professor, Um Palestinians have suffered de- decades of oppression or suppression, um, and I don't trust Netanyahu or the radical right. Um, so, I guess that's in the. I mean, so, you, you your, your point,
3: out? Michael. Your your point is to say to Yuri, who called a moment ago, you can't start the timeline on ten seven. You've got to start the timeline post World War II, if not a hell of a lot sooner than that. I get where you're coming from. This is Israel on Long Island. Israel, what did you want to say?
9: Yeah, Michael, hi. I think that part of the problem is that a lot of well-meaning, mostly liberal people in the West look at Israel as just another example of the West imposing their power on indigenous people. The problem is that's true in a lot of cases. That's not true in Israel. It is true that Israel, the modern state, was created in forty-eight. But the people of Israel have been there well before Christianity, well before the Muslims. And I think it's unfair to just see Israel as an appendage of the big bad West.
3: Yeah, I shame on me if I didn't make clear that everybody traces their lineage to this same corner of the world. I mean, and and when you talk about the Temple Mount, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, literally like to the same building, you can trace three religions or to the same piece of real estate. So, Michael, can I
9: make another point, though? Michael? But if you want to be fair, the Jews were there for a thousand years before Jesus and 1700 years before Muhammad. It would be like telling Native Americans you know, we haven't seen you be in power here for a while, so we don't believe you were here before us. No, they were here before us, whether we want to admit it or not.
3: Well, on a different day, we should have the conversation as to whether in 2023 that matters, right? Because by that logic, we should be saying something different about Native Americans.
9: Let me make one more point. It matters because there's only one Jewish state. God bless them. There are 24 Arab Muslim states. There are over 50 states with Muslim majority. So in 2023, it does matter when there's only one Jewish state and the whole world finds it such a pain for there to be one Jewish state. It matters in 2023, with all due respect. Israel, thank you.
3: Richard is next. He's in Birmingham, Alabama. Hi,
9: Richard. Hi. Okay, Michael. I would love to go back into some of that other stuff, but I'd like to stay focused. Uh, A conversation that I'd be interested in, I haven't heard yet,
4: is that the press, in general, has the duty to support and defend the Constitution of the United States from enemies, foreign and domestic. In other words, the media the press is not a
9: neutral observer. The media and press, I believe, have skin in that game, and I never hear that conversation. I, I'm not uh, understanding where, where in, wait a minute, where, the in, the, year. So where in the, where in the
3: Constitution. Where in the Constitution do I read that the media has some some dog in this fight?
9: Well, it's not that it's not that you will read it in the Constitution, is that if you don't have a dog in that fight,
4: you the media exists by the virtue of that Constitution. So if you don't think you have a dog in that fight, the only answer then becomes, where will you be in Hmm. an authoritarian state without the free press? Right. In other words, there'll be no, I hear you.
3: There'll be no need for a First Amendment if if democracy doesn't survive. I I think I get your point. I get it. Richard, thank you for that.
2: Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.
0: Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app.
2: Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and at Smirconish.com.
0: Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.